All right, everyone. Awesome. Once again, welcome. Uh, it's so good to see you all here today. We're going to dive in without any further ado into the Word of God today. We're going to continue our worship service by going to His Word. And this morning, for those of you who have not been with us, I see some new faces. I see some familiar faces. I see some familiar faces that seem new because you haven't been here for a while. So it's really good to see you today. I'm really glad that you're all with us on this very special morning. And this morning, one of the things that makes it special is we are actually concluding a sermon series that we have been in for the past nine weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks. Um, and we have been talking about the subject of our values. And we've been going through the various values of Life Church, unpacking those for you. And I, one of the, my favorite parts of that, that, that sermon series is that every week we've had a different person come up and share a little bit about that value. Has everybody enjoyed having some testimonies and some... Yes, we, have, we have some amazing people in our church, Life Church, and we're so blessed to be able to hear from them. Um, if you've not been with us, um, our purpose statement here at Life Church is this. We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. That is our purpose at Life Church. We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. And we started out by talking about that. We talked about how kind of our big idea here is that we don't save people, but Jesus does. Amen. And so our, our job as followers of Jesus, as his followers, are to bring people to him because Jesus is able to save even in the most uh, desperate of all circumstances and situations, even in the ones that seem to be impossible for him, it's possible. Amen? And so we believe that. We talked about our values. We talked about we value the word of God. We build our lives on his word. We value worship. We are a Holy Spirit-led church who lives to see God glorified in all things. We value prayer. We are a house of prayer dependent on Jesus Christ. We talked about our value of rest. We will operate out of a place of grace. We talked about our value of honor. We value and cheer each other on. Come on. We talked about our value of family. We are a diverse, welcoming community. And then last week, we talked about the value of growth. We believe that healthy things grow. And today, as we conclude this series, is it up here already? Might not be. Can anybody guess what our last value is? Oh. I tried. Our last value is kingdom-minded. And this is the statement underneath. We think outside of ourselves. Kingdom-minded. We think outside of ourselves. Come on, church. I want you to get excited about today because thinking outside of ourselves, thinking beyond ourselves, in that is great freedom and great excitement and great adventure. And we think outside of ourselves. And what does that mean for us? That means that we are uh, a kingdom-minded people. We are a people who are set upon something that is bigger than ourselves. You know, what's happening here this morning at Life Church is actually being reproduced all around the world right now. There are various churches that are meeting to celebrate and glorify Jesus Christ and to share the message of freedom that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And we're not in this alone. In fact, we're not in this alone. We love to celebrate other churches. And this morning, our special guest speaker that we're going to have come and share a brief testimony or thought on the subject of being kingdom-minded, we think outside of ourselves, is actually a very good friend of mine. He's become a good friend of mine. And he is the pastor at Numa Church right around the corner from us. 
His name is Pastor Nick Arkley. Him and his wife, Sarah, moved here from England because they felt the call of God to come into this area, White Rock in particular, because they believe that God is going to move in this area, and they wanted to be a part of the move of God. And so this morning, I actually asked Pastor Nick to come and share with us. I actually, we actually recorded it, so we're going to play it for you. And church, without any further ado, here is Pastor Nick Arkley. I just want to start by acknowledging that a couple of weeks ago you looked at the value of honor and so I want to honor your pastors Matt and Tonya for leading you guys so well and for being such incredible ministers in this area. Uh, we absolutely love them and I also want to honor you as a church for years of faithful service in this area and for us as a new church in the area we love that we get to come alongside you so I just want to honor you in that. Now Pastor Matt has asked me to speak about uh, what being kingdom-minded means to me and really there's two things that come to mind. The first thing is that for there to be a kingdom, there has to be a king. There has to be a sovereign. And this world tells us to build our own kingdom. Look after number one, chase your dreams. Every time I go on YouTube, it seems like I'm confronted by yet another video uh, advert that is telling me how I can get this supplemental income to build the life I've always wanted. Everything is about building my own kingdom, making sure that I sit on my own throne. But being kingdom-minded to me, is about recognizing that there's already a king on the throne. His name is Jesus. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And being kingdom-minded is about building his kingdom, not my own. It's about being about his business, not my own. It's about following the one who uh, came to, not to be served, but to serve, who came to seek and to save the lost, who came to bring salvation and healing and wholeness, who came uh, to give hope and peace to a hurting world. And being kingdom-minded to me is about living and embracing his example and his teaching. He is the king who actually prayed to the Father, not my will be done, but yours be done. He's the one who taught us, seek first the kingdom. He's the one who taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so it's not about building my own kingdom but it's about building his kingdom. And so as a pastor, that means it's not about what I want to do in South Surrey and White Rock. It's about finding out what God wants to do in South Surrey and White Rock. As a husband, it's not about what I want for my marriage or out of my marriage. It's about finding out what God wants for my marriage. It's about finding out what God wants to bring out of my marriage, what he wants for my wife, and how he wants to live out his kingdom in my marriage. As a father, it's not about what I want for my kids' lives. It's about finding out what God wants for my kids' lives and working out how I can lead them and encourage them and partner with what God wants to do in their lives and helping to make it happen. Personally, as a follower of Jesus, it's not about seeking the things that the world promises to sat will satisfy me, but it's about finding and following and pursuing the things that the Word promises will satisfy and please God my Father and Jesus my King. So first of all, being kingdom-minded is about recognizing that there's already a king on the throne and being kingdom-minded is about seeking his kingdom, not my own. Secondly, being kingdom-minded is about recognizing that we are a part of something much bigger than just ourselves. Now Jesus' parables tell us that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed or yeast or treasure hidden in a field, a fishing net, a merchant looking for pearls. I'm going to let your pastors unpack those for you sometime. But the analogy that comes to mind for me 
is that when Jesus said, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's Luke 10, verse 2. And when my wife Sarah and I felt the call to plant a new church in South Surrey, the first thing uh, that came to mind was that verse. Because it made me want to reach out to local pastors and ensure them we are not here to compete with you. We are here to work alongside you in the harvest field. We recognize the work that you're already doing. We celebrate that. And we are simply coming to join with you in it. And if working in the kingdom is like working in the harvest field, then I need to recognize that the Lord of the harvest, Jesus, already has workers in the harvest field. He already has workers serving him, doing his work. But he's also said that the harvest is so plentiful that he needs more workers in the field. And each one of us is called to play our part in that. Each one of us is called to play our part in the kingdom. That's what being kingdom-minded is about as well. And so we are part of something that's much bigger than ourselves. The body of Christ is much bigger than just us. The work of Christ is much broader than just us. The kingdom of Christ reaches far beyond us. And yet we are all called to play our part. So you have a significant part to play. And I have a significant part to play. But being kingdom-minded is about recognizing it's not just about you. And it's not just about me. But it's about the world around us and seeing God's kingdom come in the world around us. What does Jesus say after saying that we should ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers? He says, go, I'm sending you. So when I think about being kingdom-minded, I think first of all about the fact that it's about seeking his kingdom, not my own. And second of all, that playing my part in the kingdom means recognizing that I'm a part of something so much bigger than myself. And ultimately, that's what gives my life meaning purpose and legacy. Bless you guys. Another mic drop, maybe? Come on. We get to serve with those guys. How awesome is that? We love Pastor Nick and Sarah. They're amazing people. Tanya and I have built a great relationship with them. And in fact, just a little, little, another announcement here, a little, little, you know, uh, pointer. We have our joint worship night coming up on November 25th with Numa Church. And these guys, we've, we've kind of partnered together, put a vision together to say, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if the churches of White Rock got together just to glorify God? It wasn't about us. It wasn't about our reputation, our kingdom. It's about him. And so we're going to be doing that November 25th. You should all come. It's going to be amazing. It's at another church, the church on Oxford Hill, uh, which has also agreed to partner with us in this mission, in this vision as well. So very exciting things happening in White Rock. Come on, church. We are believing for a mighty revival to sweep across this region. And we love the churches of White Rock because we are kingdom-minded. We think outside of ourselves. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to turn to it quickly. Uh, and if you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. While you're going there, I'm going to go ahead and read. I've got two passages of Scripture I'm going to read to you this morning. And then I'm going to just briefly share some thoughts with you about the idea of being kingdom-minded. And then we're actually going to pray today, church as a church, into what God is doing in the world today. And, and we believe that he has a hand in everything. And, and not only that, but God it wants to be involved. And so we're going to pray into it. Um, but first of all, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, um, I'm going to start, actually, I'm going to read Luke chapter 11, verse 2, and then we'll read Hebrews. So Luke 11, 2 says, And so he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they sought from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that uh, you are with us today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've asked us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means, God, that it is possible for your kingdom to come here on earth, Lord God. And not only is it possible, it is inevitable. And so, Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to partner with you as you build your church. We pray for the word of God today, Lord God, that it would go forth and it would accomplish what it is set up to do. It would not return void, Lord Jesus, but it would plant good seeds in our heart. We ask it now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, I'm going to ask you kind of a... a an ambiguous question of sorts this morning, church, and it is this. Have you ever missed seeing something wonderful because you're focused on the wrong thing? You ever experienced that in your life? Um, for me, the, the, the analogy, the, the story that comes to mind of this, this idea, is, is a thought that surrounds Christmas. And I don't know about you guys, but after Remembrance Day, we are full-on Christmas. Anybody like us? You know what I'm saying? Like, we are, we're ready to pull out the eggnog. Uh, we got the Christmas tunes just on, you know, preset, ready to go. Going to throw them out. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess something. We have some decorations up already. Okay? Anybody else like us? I'm just going to be honest with you. It's a thing for us. But Christmas throughout the years, the meaning of it and, and, and the, the, really the significance of it has really changed as I've gotten older. Because when I was a kid... Christmas was about one thing. Anybody want to guess what that is? Yes. Good answer, Pastor Mike. Jesus, that is the Sunday school answer. Um, but in reality, I was obsessed with presents. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, you know, Mom would put them out under the tree, and we'd go up and kind of give them a little shake. You know, is that one mine? And, and this one over here. And I was just telling the kids the other day, I remember being a kid, and we'd go to our big family gathering, and we'd all get, like, two presents that we'd open together, and it'd be so exciting. And then my older cousins would be there, and they'd have to open all their presents because they were from out of town. And then the older cousins would open up, and it'd be, like, a box of shoes. And I'd be like, oh, man, I never want to grow up. Give me toys. Give me toys. Give me toys. It was all about the presents. And every year, it was, like, annoying because we would do these, like, traditional things that we had to do to get to the presents. Like, we would gather as a family, and my grandpa was a musician, and he would pull out his guitar, and we would sing Christmas carols together as a family. And again, as a kid, I'm like, Another Christmas carol? Let's go! Get to the presents already! You know? And then, and, then, and then my dad would pull out the Bible, and he would read the Christmas story. I'm like, every single year we do this. Get me to the presents! And then, you know, some aunt would be like, can we sing one more? And I'd be like, no! Because I want to get to the presents. I was hyper-focused on something that meant a lot to me at the time. But let me tell you something honestly, church. As I look back on those times, I don't really remember any 
of those presents. You know, most of them are probably, to be quite frank with you, probably in the garbage dump somewhere now. Pieces of plastic and wonderful things, but I don't have them anymore. But what I have is this memory of these traditions and this time with family. And it's funny how when you're so hyper-focused on something, you can miss the beautiful thing that's happening around you. And the kingdom of God is like that. See, we exist in a world that is bent on distracting us from what's really going on. See, beyond us, we get so focused on our things, our issues, our challenges, you know, our our relationships, which are all wonderful and they're all good, but let us not forget that while all these things are going on around us, God is establishing his kingdom. God is working in the world around us. He is moving, and he will have his way. Because like Pastor Nick said, in order for there to be a kingdom, there has to be a king. And our king is Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior of all. Amen? So often we can get so hyper-focused on what's happening right now in our sphere and lives that we can forget that God is doing something greater around us. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, what exactly are we talking about? Luke eleven two that we read earlier said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. William Barclay gives a brilliant uh, ex- ex- def- definition of the kingdom of God. He says, we see that by kingdom, Jesus meant a society upon where God's will would be as perfectly done as it is in heaven. Christianity.com defines kingdom of God or heaven as a system of government or kingdom that is ruled and controlled by God. Church, we are called and requested and commanded to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which means that not only is that a possibility, but because God commanded it, it's an inevitability. His kingdom will come on the earth. What does it mean to be kingdom-minded? And we kind of put this tagline under this idea of what does it, uh, of we think outside of ourselves. And so my question today is what does it mean to think outside of ourselves? And I'm going to give you four things today and then we're going to close this. You guys with me? Okay, here we go. Number one, we think missionally. What does that mean? We have a vision statement for our church and it's this. We envision a thriving church that impacts all people. We also have a purpose statement, and that is this. We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. And why do we say these things? Why do we have these audacious visions? Why do we have these thoughts and these these big ideas that we cling to in our church? And it's because our Lord and Savior, the King and ruler of all the earth, has given us some direction on this. In Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is a commandment that was given to the disciples and has been passed on to us through generations. We are a part of something bigger than ourselves, church. And therefore, we think outside of ourselves and we think missionally. God has a plan and a purpose for us, something for us to accomplish. 
And it's not just for us to come here on a Sunday morning and have a nice service. Amen? But it's actually because as we come here today as the body of Christ, we are a testimony. We are an example that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are giving notice to the world around us that we stand on that truth. And we're giving notice to those around us that He is Lord and Savior. And even just the fact that you're here today is an encouragement to others around you. It's not just about you. God is moving through you into the others and other people around you. Amen? We think missionally. Number two, we think with generosity. Thinking outside of ourselves. Kingdom-minded. God's doing something bigger. There's something more going on around us. Let's not miss the beauty of that. We think generously um, with money. Yeah, I went there. With our finances. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I want you to notice something about this passage. If you just read it maybe cynically and you think, oh man, this is what organized religion is all about. is just trying to get after my money. I want you to notice that God here is not saying that he's after your money. He's after your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can I just say it this way, maybe directly and crassly? God doesn't need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he, if he needed it, he wouldn't let us know. He is God all by himself. He doesn't need us, but he is after your heart. And so often, our finances are tied to our heart. In Matthew 19, 23, Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you, church, when you give of your finances, you're giving notice to yourself and all those around you that money is not your king. You are serving uh, a notice that Jesus is the king of your life. And also, you're sowing into the kingdom. Being kingdom-minded means that nothing else is allowed to have lordship over your life. Our ultimate riches are in heaven. And I know that to be true. When I was a kid, I remember preaching a sermon. I was about 19, and I got up in my church, and I preached a sermon. I said, listen, I'm building a house in heaven. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, okay, when I face a trial or temptation and I overcome it, ching, ching, swimming pool. Now, that might be a little bit of a crass analogy, But the reality is there that I am ultimately uh, uh, finding my home in heaven. That my home is not here on this earth. We just read it this morning in, in, in Hebrews earlier that there's a house that God is building us in heaven. There is a home that is not built with our hands, but is built by him, being built by him. And that is where my home is. That is where my ultimate riches are. Now listen, I want to say this again. There's nothing wrong with having money. Nothing wrong with it. The problem happens when money has you. So this is the idea, is that thinking kingdom-minded, thinking uh, uh, outside of ourselves, thinking generously, we walk around with an open hand. God gives it to us, and we say, okay, God, how do you want me to use this? How can I manage this well? How can I steward what you've given me? And God, what can I give back to you? Amen? We're also generous with love. Come on, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7 The love passage, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Come on, church. We should be generous with our love. We should give of that generously. It's something that God has given to us, and we ought to give it to other people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We should be generous with our love. Amen? Number three, we think with an eternal perspective. And again, we read it this morning, Hebrews chapter 11, back at it. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. C.S. Lewis, famous quote of his, says this, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I'm going to read that again. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Church, we need to continue to have an eternal perspective and recognize that our God rules and reigns, that he is outside of time, that he's not intimidated or surprised by the challenges that we face, but he sees from beyond time. And the Bible tells us that the Lord knows the end from the beginning, that he is in fact the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And our God who sees from outside of time can see into our situations right now. And there is good that is coming. There is, God is working in us even now, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And Colossians 3, 2 tells us to set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. So church, we can have an eternal perspective and recognize that there is a kingdom that surrounds us. And God is building his kingdom and he is on the throne. Amen? And number four, we live victoriously. We live and we think victoriously. Um, and now we're going to bring this home a little bit as we close today. Um, so I, I have a friend who is a, a mentor of mine. He's a hero of mine. Um, in fact, I want to be like him when I grow up. He's an amazing man of God. If you ever see me standing like this, that's my impression of him. He's the coolest person I've ever known. And I'm sorry, I'm really building him up. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, and he lives, when he, about 20 years ago, he felt the call of God on his life to leave his home in Seattle and move his then young family to Israel. And they moved there after a prophetic calling. They felt like God was calling them there, and he's been working and, and serving there in a ministry, basically uh, through worship and, and worshiping over Jerusalem and worshiping over Israel over the last 20 years. And his three kids have grown up there, and all three of them now serve in the Israeli Defense Forces. And they're actually deployed right now. And so I'm following him on Instagram, and um, I'm kind of watching as he's, as he's kind of dealing with this, and, and he's, you know, um, sharing kind of some of the things that are going on in his heart. And, and yesterday he posted something that impacted me so much. And he was like, I'm, I'm really having a hard time. I'm struggling here because my kids are deployed, and, and um, you know, in the face of everything that's going on, the atrocities that are happening, and all these different things. How in the world do we deal with this 
And then I remembered a scripture that God gave me. And it was from Psalm chapter 73, verse 16. And this is what it says. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. This is a Psalm of Asaph. Until, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. When I thought about how to understand this, when I thought about the things that were surrounding me, when I thought about the challenges that I was facing, when I thought about the relationships that needed to be repaired, when I thought about the finances that I was missing, when I thought about the job that, that I just needed to get figured out, when I thought about the, 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 the health scare that I've had recently, when I thought about all these things, it was too painful for me. And indeed, as we try to figure this thing out on earth and we try to work this life out for ourselves, it can be very, very painful. But how many know that there is... With God, there's always an until. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. And what is the end? Church, if you've read the end of the book, you know it. What is the end? The end is this, Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruits every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. And they shall be no night there. There shall be no need for lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Amen. You know, the beginning of the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the end of the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is victorious. And He will rule and He will reign. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so I don't know what you're facing today, but I want to tell you and I want to declare to you that there is an until that is coming for you. As you go into the house of God, as you come into His house and you seek His face, my prayer for you today is that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the inheritance of the saints that are for you, and that you would walk in them, that you would set your mind not on things of this earth, but on things above, and recognize that there is a King, and He is on the throne, and we are His servants, serving Him in something that is so much bigger than us. We are kingdom-minded, and we think outside of ourselves. Amen? Amen. So here's how we're going to put this into practice, church. Because we think outside of ourselves, we also value prayer. We believe in the power of prayer here at Life Church. And so I'm going to invite um, the three that I've asked to come forward. We're going to close this way. Church, we're going to pray together over some of the situations that are happening in the world today. I've asked um, Graham Bork if you would come, Pastor Mike Schroeder, and our elder Flora Lee is going to come. 
And I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, we're going to, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what we're going to do right now. Um, Graham is going to be praying for conflicts that are happening in the world right now. So we have the Israeli-Hamas conflict. We have uh, Ukraine and Russia. There are many other conflicts that are taking place right now behind the scenes that uh, we may not be aware of. And so we're, we're going to declare the name of Jesus over those. Okay? We're going to pray that righteousness would rise and that evil would be defeated. Amen? Amen? And then um, number two, Pastor Mike is going to be praying for the persecuted church. If you need to stay up front here, you can do that. Yeah, that's good. Um, he's going to be praying for the persecuted church. Um, and so he'll be sharing briefly about that. And then Flora Lee is going to close by praying for revival in Canada. Amen. So can we all stand together? I'm going to just go ahead and jump on the keys here and just play behind. When we pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. We pray God's word so that we're within a zone of safety. We're in a zone of authorization where God hears us because we're praying according to his will. So Father, this day, when we think of what's happening on the other side of the world in these two locations where ancient rivalries hostilities which have been brewing and overflowing for thousands of years where there's generations upon generations of hatred and vengeance and cries of I will never forgive those are armed weapons and with cruelty and intent to harm and maim and kill. Lord God, we ask that your kingdom would come. We ask that your kingdom would come. All those things that I said are just manifestations of a heart that is turned from God that represents the father of Hades yet Lord in your grace you look upon us and you've given us a new heart a new mind a new spirit and you've called us children of God those who used to hate you and defy you to your face take your name with the most vilest of curses Lord you put a new song in our heart you've changed us. So Lord, we ask in these situations on the other side of the world, in time zones far from us, where hatred rules, we pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Father, we thank you for your word, for it gives us instructions. Matthew 24, verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then you've told us, See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. So, Lord, when we see these things, somehow you are saying they must come to pass. So, as we pray within the zone of your will, we ask, O oh God, that your kingdom would come in the midst of a situation that we do not understand. 
We know that your word says that all of creation groans, that the Spirit of God that you put within us groans, that we groan. It's all in Romans chapter 8, because that which is out of order and out of place and out of joint has not been fixed. But one day, one day, your kingdom will come. So this day, Lord, we pray, as you have told us to pray, let your kingdom come. Let peace reign. Let there be a revival. Let the word of Jesus, the only thing which can save us from ourselves, is an intervention by the almighty spirit of God. We lay down our arms. We lay down our weapons of hatred. We pray that a voice would be heard in Palestine, a voice of peace, the Prince of Peace. We pray in Ukraine and Russia. Let the voice of the Prince of Peace be heard. Let the gospel be heard. Raise up voice to raise up those to lift up their voice and make a sound. Jesus is the answer. He's not the question. Jesus is the solution. We pray these in Jesus' name. And all the church said amen, amen. I've been asked to pray for the persecuted church. This year, thousands of Christians have been martyred around the world for their faith. There are millions of Christians that face persecution every day. They lose jobs, they lose homes, they lose families, uh, they're imprisoned, they're beaten. It's, uh, there's a lot of places in the world where it's not a fun place to be a Christian at all. We're so blessed here to live here in Canada I was reading this week about kids, about children, Christian children that live in dangerous places. The sad truth is children among, are among the most vulnerable believers in the world. Bullying, physical attacks, isolation, denying of education are common tactics of persecutors in many countries. It leaves even the youngest children feeling alone and forgotten and unsafe. Puts the future of the church in peril in the most difficult places to follow Jesus. But we live in a free country. We're so blessed here, but we can pray. Whenever you're hearing what Christians around the world that are in places like North Korea and China and Afghanistan and places where it's difficult, that's the number one thing they ask is for prayer, for prayer. And we're joining with those in heavenly places found in the book of Revelation. It says they shouted. I'm not going to shout, okay? But these people did. They, they said, Lord, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they've done to us? God, he said, I've got a plan, I've got a purpose, and he's on the throne. So when we pray together, we pray in faith, believing. So would you join with me in prayer 
for our sisters and brothers around the world who are suffering. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for the testimony of these dear ones, many who have died, some who have been severely beaten and hurt and imprisoned and have lost jobs. Churches have been burned. Lord, there's all kinds of stuff going on, but Lord, you are the one who is their protector. You are the one who is their keeper. You are the one who is their hope. And we all have the same hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ rules. He sits, Lord, you sit at the right hand of the Father, and you are ruling and reigning until you've placed all enemies under your feet. And then the end will come. So we're in this in-between time, and we thank you, Lord, for those who have paid ultimate prices. They've lost family members, on and on it goes. But God, you are their comfort. You are their provision. You are their hope. And God, we pray for them. We ask that you would deliver them from the evil one. Lord, would you deliver them from evil? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And now we're going to pray a little closer to home. particularly to Canada. There have been many prophetic words that have been spoken over this nation, and I believe that we haven't seen anything yet. We saw a great move of the Holy Spirit in the 70s with the Jesus people. I believe we're going to see something greater than that. And God said that he would pour out his Holy Spirit on all flesh. And God said this also in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 14. His dominion shall be from sea to sea. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? God, um, not only does God have a plan, but Satan has a plan. And his plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. And is not this what is being said in Palestine from sea to sea? And is that not meant to be the annihilation of the Jewish people, the Jewish nation? And that is God's purpose, or I'm sorry, that is Satan's purpose for the youth of this nation, that they would be annihilated. And we are seeing things today that we never dreamed possible. Challenges for our children, our children that we love, and the youth of this nation but I believe that we need to stand firm and strong in the promise that God will pour out his spirit. Our sons and daughters will prophesy. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I believe that we need to declare this over Canada, that the king's dominion, we've been talking about the king today, the king's dominion in this nation shall be from sea to sea. 
Now, I, I must explain that I'm a naturalized citizen in this place. I wasn't born in Canada, but I have a very great love, a deep love for this nation. And so I'm honored to pray today, and we're going to believe God for the outpouring of his spirit. Father, we thank you that your word has declared that Jesus will reign from sea to sea. We declare that over Canada, that Jesus, you will reign in this nation. God, we thank you that you are greater than all the tactics of the enemy. And we agree that the youth of this nation will come to see Jesus. Jesus, the one who loves them, the one who created them, the one who made them and has a destiny for them. So God, thank you. Pour out your spirit. Thank you for what you are doing. We declare that you are king in Canada. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So be encouraged, church. Our God is victorious. He is sitting on the throne. And though there may be many wars and things going on in our world and in our nation and may there may be things that are going on in your life personally that seem overwhelming be encouraged our god is in control and he sits on the throne and he is victorious amen amen amen, amen.